0: hallelujah, for you are worthy of our praise. The Lord indeed is worthy, he's worthy, he's worthy. worthy, he is 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 worthy of our praise hallelujah and amen amen praise God for us for the opportunity and privilege to be in the house of the Lord one more time amen if you're glad to be in the house of the Lord one more time just give him a hand clap of praise for his mercy for his kindness this week to each and everyone here welcome to this church gathered at forest baptist so good like i said to be with you on this lord's day to worship to hear from jesus to be encouraged to be challenged to be transformed that we may go out from here and display the glory of christ for all to see also i'd like to pause to thank Brother Michael McGee for bringing us a great word and serving us so well on last week. Thank you, my brother. It's a privilege and honor. Grateful for you and your entire family. Well, this morning, let's go ahead and get right to it. Turn with me to Matthew, the 22nd chapter. As we continue this study of the gospel of Matthew, Matthew, the 22nd chapter Kind of based upon my calculations, we should actually be finished with the entire uh, Gospel of Matthew towards the beginning of November. Uh, The beginning of November, and then we're going to dive into a particular study, which is coming. We'll give you a heads up on that. Uh, So Matthew, the 22nd chapter, this is Passion Week. This is uh, the last week of Jesus's earthly ministry before he goes to the cross. And as we have seen in these uh, few chapters that at every turn the religious, the church folks are opposing Jesus. And they're coming up against him and they are challenging the authority of Jesus. So this morning, We'll look at just a particular portion of Scripture. Matthew, the 22nd chapter, we'll be looking at verses 34 through 40 this morning. Matthew, the 22nd chapter, verses 34 through 40. And if you are able to stand, ask that you would in honor of the reading of God's Word this morning. And, beloved, this is such such an important passage of scripture for the entire Christian life. I come before this text with fear and trembling because it is so important that we understand what Jesus is saying here. This is the word of God. Please hear the voice of Christ. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together and one of them a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. May the Lord have a blessing to the reading of His word. You may be seated. just want to come to you this morning on the subject of the great command for a great love. The great command for a great love. Please pray with me. Our Lord, our God. Heavenly Father, gracious King, Master, Savior, Redeemer, we come this morning, O God, lifting up our voices to you in praise because you and you alone are worthy of our praise. Father, no one else said, let it be, and it was. For no one else gave us strength and allowed us to be in our right mind with a decent portion of health this morning. Father, it was no one else who got us up out of the bed and on our way to the church house one more time. Father, it was no one else who kept us as we traveled the highways and the byways. Father, there was no one else who kept us and allowed us to walk through these doors one more time with the opportunity to lift holy hands and declare our praises to King Jesus. Lord, it has no has been no one else. Had it not been for you, O oh God, on our side, where would we be? No one else has brought us through. As we look back over our lives and we think things over, we can truly say that we've been blessed and our testimonies from you and no one else, O oh God. So, King Jesus, as we come right now, please have your way. Please forgive us for our sins and our disobedience towards you and towards one another. And Father, we ask that you would purify us. Please create within us a clean heart and renew a right spirit right now that we would worship you in spirit and in truth. Father, please take away all sense of false airs in this worship. Father, please make us low and you be exalted high. Father, as John the Baptist declared, may we decrease and may you increase in this place right now, oh God. Father, even if we showed up and we really didn't want to worship, even if we had a a bad and hard weekend, we really ain't motivated for worship. Father, in spite of, help us to praise you anyhow. Help us to praise you anyhow. Things may have went sideways this week. Things may have turned out uh, the, the way that we not had one of them, God. But, Father, help us to praise you anyhow because we're here. And we will declare hallelujah anyhow. Hallelujah. Anyhow. Hallelujah. Anyhow. Father, please pour out your spirit upon us so that we would see Jesus, and we would be careful to give you all the glory, honor, and the praise. In the matchless name of Jesus, the Christ, we do pray, and all of God's people said together. Amen, amen, and amen. Amen. Truly, God is good. Amen. You know, during this new school year, I have the opportunity to uh, walk with Nate in the mornings to the bus stop. And uh, these, these have been some beautiful mornings. As we walk out, it's still dark and the stars are in the sky. And whenever I look at the, sc- at the stars, I always think about how people would used to use the, s- the stars to travel. That's right. Before there was GPS... Before there was the AAA maps, before there was the Negro Green Book letting you know where it was safe to travel, even before the compass, travelers would be guided on their journeys by the North Star. The North Star, or Polaris, uh, has been a guiding light to navigators and and travelers, letting them uh, sail the seas and cross the wilderness Key word right here, without getting lost. The North Star was used because it holds uh, nearly still in our sky while uh, the entire northern hemisphere rotates around it. That's why we can uh, travel and, and, and find our way by looking at the North Star. It is in the northern hemisphere, that point that is stable, that is central, that doesn't move. And if you were to be facing the North Star, on uh, your right would be uh, the east, and on your left would be the west, and uh, to your back would be the south. So it's kind of easy to find your way when you have the North Star as your focus. As long as travelers kept the North Star as their reference, they were good. Beloved, the world we live in is lost. The world is lost because it needs a North Star. Everyone seems to be going their own way. Isn't that what the scripture teaches us in Judges? Every man did what was right in his own eye and seem to be going their own way. So because there is no central point of reference, there is so much chaos, so much confusion, so much, so many challenges and so much temptation that is in the world because there is no North Star. Beloved, I would just want to submit to you this morning the North Star that this world needs is no one else but Jesus. This world needs Jesus. Was it not Jesus who told his disciples to follow me? Was it not Jesus who said, I am the light of the world? Was it not Jesus who says, I am the way and the truth and the life? Jesus was trying to tell us all along, if you want to find your way, you just need to keep your eyes on me. And beloved, this text before us this morning is central to the Christian life. It is the... the, the the guiding principle by which we should be living, those who have made a profession of faith. And it's in this text this morning that Jesus shows us the way to never be lost again. Our metaphorical North Star. Our big idea in the text this morning is simply, when you love God and love others, you will never be lost in life. When you love God and when you love others, you will never be lost in life. Here the Pharisees and the Sadducees have been trying to trip up Jesus, trying to get them to say one wrong word. It, it, when I'm watching the, the news stations and they're asking the president questions, they're asking the governor's questions, they're asking the, the sheriff's questions. Sometimes I ask them, why they ask that stupid question? It seems like their only job is to try to trip them up. They really don't want to know what's going on, but they're trying to create a story. They're trying to create a mistake in order that they can take a narrative and paint it how they want. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees were doing this exact thing. They were trying to get Jesus to incriminate himself by saying something wrong. But little did they know that Jesus don't ever say anything wrong, not because his words are wrong, but because Jesus himself is the word. And anything that is true is measured by his speech. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You can never trip up the Word, because He is God. And as they would bring these questions to Jesus, they were looking through some 613 commandments to try to get Him off base. And specifically here, they're trying to get Jesus to go against the Mosaic Law in some way. These... Religious scholars will have their religious debates with one another, and they would ask philosophical questions like, what is the greatest law? One rabbi will say one thing, one rabbi will say another thing, and they will have these competing arguments about what's most important. So this lawyer, or uh, he would also be known as a scribe, The scribes were like the legal experts of the law, so a lawyer. But something special about this lawyer, he was like the top lawyer because it was only he who came. And he has come to test Jesus, and he wants him to diminish the word of God. And as he comes to Jesus, Jesus flips the script on him and reminds him what's most important. And beloved, I just want to submit to you two things today, two things today as what's most important as a Christian. The two most important things that you can do, say, believe, whatever, as a Christian, is to love God and to love others. Simply that, Jesus begins in verses 34 and 38, he just declares that Christians love God. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Why would Jesus say something like that? Jesus is not coming up with something brand new. He's not coming up with a, a, a sweet new philosophy that everyone would love and their itchy ears would want to run to. Jesus is telling them what they've been hearing since they received the law from Moses. He is simply repeating the Shema. O hear, o Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Any pious jew would say this two times daily in the morning and in the evening so jesus is counteracting this test with something that they should have already known but in its simplicity comes its complexity because these jews are missing the point this hebrew word shema means to hear they've been reading the scriptures but they haven't been hearing the scriptures They've been, they've, been hear, they've been showing up for church and, and, and listening to the message, but they really haven't been hearing the message. People have been trying to tell them about Jesus, but they haven't really been hearing about Jesus. do you know that's something different between listening to somebody and really hearing somebody? Beloved, if you don't know, you just grew up in somebody's house. You say, uh, now listen to what I'm saying. I need you to hear me. And Jesus wants them to hear him because he wants them to understand just what was going on when he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your strength. What Jesus wants them to notice is not just the words, but he wants them to notice the type of love that is being declared. And you shall love the Lord your God. This love that is being spoken of is not an emotive type love in and of itself that this type of love is greater than just an emotional attachment see that that, that's the word we use uh, for everything oh i love their pizza oh i love that hamburger oh sometimes we use that word as simply i love you we don't even mean it we just saying it but but what what the what the text is saying is when you are to love god it is more than just an emotional attachment to a higher being Jesus just makes me feel a certain way, so I love him. This is why we don't just come to church to get a good feeling. No, we come to church to have our minds transformed by Jesus in order that our hearts may be renewed by Jesus, that we may go out and be these new living creatures for Jesus. This is what this means. So Jesus wants them to know that, that you are supposed to have a certain type of love when it comes to loving God. This is the type of love that Paul speaks of in 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. We love to recite this at weddings, don't we? Oh, it's just so beautiful. It's so poetic. This text is not mere poetry. This text is telling us what it means to genuinely love. And he says in the text, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Isn't that so pretty? Is that the type of love you have? Is that the type of love you put on display, or are you just waiting for somebody to woo your heart? Let me make it more plain. The type of love that the scriptures are talking about is a love that is not just emotional, but it is active, it is involved, it does something. The type of love that Jesus is speaking of is the love that the Apostle John speaks of in 1 John, the third chapter, verses 16 and 17, where he says, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. Wait a minute, right there. How do you know love? Because Jesus laid down his life. It wasn't Jesus wasn't just whispering sweet nothings in your ear. Jesus, Jesus wasn't just calling you a boo and babe, trying to make you feel good. He, he, he loved you by laying down his life. He did something because he loved you. He laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? If you see somebody in need, but you ain't willing to do nothing about it, now how you really got God's love in you? Little children, let us not love in word or talk but in deed and in truth. Jesus is saying, when you love God, don't just talk about it. Be about it. Don't just say, I I, I love God with my lips. The religious folks say we, say they, uh, all throughout Scripture, would say they love God with their lips, but what what, what, what did Jesus say? But your hearts are far from me. If you love me, then I would have your heart, is what Jesus is saying. So when he's saying, you shall love the Lord your God, with all your heart. He's saying the type of love is both emotive and active, but also he's saying that this type of love needs to be exclusive. What does he say, what does Moses say in Exodus the 20th chapter verses 2 and 3? He says, I, I am the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. You shall have no other gods before me. Jesus is talk, talking about the kind of love where it's exclusive. It's not, it's not you love God, but you got some other gods on the side. It's like your focus is on me and only me. Uh, No one else uh, should compare to me in your love that you are displaying towards me. I I should not have any equal. I should not have anyone else on my level. What would it look like for me to say I love my wife, but to meet another woman in the street and say I love you just as much as I love my wife? Jesus is saying, for Israel, the exclusive type of relationship that you should have with God is him and only him. You can't love anyone else as much as you love him. So notice the type of love, but not only the type of love, notice the totality of this love. He says, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all of your mind, what Jesus is doing there, he's not trying to break up the human condition into just these three pieces. Sometimes people get caught up with trying to figure out, well, are we mind, body, and soul? Are we spirit? What, what Jesus is saying by, by pointing out heart, soul, and mind, He's saying your entire being. Love God with all of who you are. Don't Love God with everything. Don't leave anything out. What he's saying, not a single part of your life should be in active opposition to God because you've given him all of you. Oh, we are so good at singing that song. We love to sing, sing that song. Withholding nothing. Withholding nothing. Knowing that we got all these skeletons in our closet, we hold back from God. We get all those doors that we haven't opened to God that he may clean out those rooms. We get all this baggage in our life that we haven't surrendered fully and completely. Jesus is saying, not only should you have an emotive, active, exclusive type of love, but it should be the totality of who you are. Christians love God. And Jesus is saying that we are to pursue God with the same type of love that he pursued us with. That's what he's ultimately saying. You need to start loving God the way that God has loved you. Because uh, the text of Scripture reminds us that in in 1 John 4.19 that we love him because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. So it was God who pursued us. It was God who came and rescued us. He didn't wait for us to get it right. He didn't wait for us to uh, uh, appease him or come to him in a way that was a, a, approved of. He just came after us. You know, there's a song out that you know, I completely understand. people kind of ruffle at the words that are used. Uh, but if you, if you think about the sentiment. Of what's trying to be communicated. And is a song they sing that uh, of God's reckless love. When we think about God, we don't think about reckless, because reckless means like, you know, confusion, it's just it's out of the ordinary. But, but in a sense, God was pouring out his love despite everything else. He wasn't considering anything else. He has chosen to set his affections on his people, and if anything got in the way, he's going to kick down the doors. He's going to break strongholds and break yokes and and break fetters. What God is saying is that I want you to pursue me just like I have pursued you with reckless abandonment. Don't let your convenience stop you from chasing after me. Don't let uh, uh, individuals get in your way of chasing after me. Don't let the, the, the pandemic keep you from chasing after me. Don't let anything or anyone else stop you from chasing after me. We so spoiled, it don't take much to get us to stop chasing Jesus. All it it takes is a bad day. Oh, I got a flat tire on my way to work, and and the rest of the day is just messed up. We ain't thinking about Jesus. We, We cussing people out. We could care less all because we have a bad day. Jesus is saying, you need to pursue me in spite of, in spite of how you feel, in spite of how you ache in spite of uh, how your children acting, in spite of how your spouse is acting, in spite of how you feel about your job. You, if you belong to me, you need to chase me anyhow. This is what, it, is what it means to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. That you're not going to let stuff stop you from loving him. When you love God with all your with your all, you will begin to love the things that he loves and hates the things that he hates. Oh, it's something about love that kind of changes you. It's something about love that, that, that softens your rough edges. It's something about love that, that will get you to To change everything about yourself to pursue the the one goal that you have with that person that you're in love with. And what God is saying is, when you set your affections on me, I will begin to change your taste. I will begin to change your affections and the things you love. When you chase after me, uh, some of those things that you were pursuing, you're going to start letting go because you you know I don't like them, but you love me more. So, beloved, simply Jesus is saying, Christians love God. We actually love him with all of our being. But then secondly, Jesus says, Christians love God, but then Christians love others. This is where he flips it on us. See, with Jesus' words, he set a standard for who and how to love. But then he flips it. And he says, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Hmm. Hmm. How many many times have we heard someone say, yeah, I love God, but I don't like the church. I love God, but. What Jesus is actually picking up here." Is a text from Leviticus 19, 18, the second portion of it, which it says, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And t- turn that with me to Leviticus 19 because again, I want to show you the type of love that Jesus is communicating. He Jesus, it, <laughs> when Jesus saying love your neighbor as yourself, he's not saying you always gotta feel good about the person you love. <laughs> he's not saying this is based upon your emotions or if that person has done something to make you. L- love them see we get that wrong because when we dating we be lying right we be lying how we really are we be lying how we really talk you ain't never wrote a line of poetry in your life you writing pages of poetry lying trying to get that person to to love you and we and and then we take that into our thinking of how we need to relate with god Well, maybe if I just raise my hand sometimes. Well, maybe if I just go go through the motions and act like I love them, then uh, then my love for him will be seen. Or, Or if I act like I like these Christians, no. A genuine love is not from the outside in but from the inside out. And it's not just based upon your emotions or how you feel. So Leviticus, the 19th chapter, watch this. In verse, starting with verse nine, this this is this is how you love your neighbor. It says, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. You shall not strip your vineyard, your vineyard, your vineyard bare. Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes or of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. Stop right there. So, so in an Old Testament text, a way to love your neighbor is not to be stingy and make sure you get all the harvest. Don't, don't go all the way up to the end and make sure it's all up. And don't, and don't go back around a second time to make sure you ain't leave anything behind. No, you just leave that for the people who are poor and will come to your field and get grain or get grapes in order to feed themselves. He's saying leave something for somebody else. Verse 11, he says, you shall not steal. You shall not deal falsely. You shall not lie to one another. This is is how you love your neighbor. Stop lying. Stop stealing. Stop being manipulative. You shall not swear by my name falsely. Did you do that? No, I swear to God. Yeah, you did. And so profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. You shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of a hired worker shall not remain with you all night until the morning. Pay people when you're supposed to pay them. Oh, I got you next week. I got you. This is how you love your neighbor. You should not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind. You shall fear your God. I am the Lord. You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. You shouldn't just be getting off because you got to pay for a good lawyer. But in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people. Stop talking about folks. And you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart. Stop having this, this bitterness and these arguments that are going on for years. But you shall reason frankly with your neighbor. Talk to them like you got some sins. Lest you incur sin because of him. Verse 18, you shall not take vengeance or bear grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. That's crazy. That's crazy because nothing in there said how you're supposed to feel about somebody, but it talks about how you're supposed to live in relation to somebody. That's love. Love is willing to help the poor. Love is not partial. Love doesn't uh, uh, hold a root of bitterness and uh, I ain't speaking to you because you said it. love doesn't have that type of posture or position. Love is willing to act and to do and to go beyond yourself. This is what Jesus is pulling from, and and that's what makes this so crazy because what Jesus is doing, he's taking the level of how you love one another and almost putting it on the same tier as your love for God. You can't say you love God and not love your brother. That sounds like that's in the Bible somewhere. It's in 1 John. I like how the Amplified talks about this, where he said you should love your neighbor as yourself. Unselfishly seek the best or higher good for others. So this loving your neighbor as a self is having a a care a care or concern for the interests of others as you would for oneself. The same way that you would care for yourself is the same way that you should care for others. Put a pin in that, because, because I'm sure somebody said, "Well, well, some folks will even love themselves." Okay, well, love others how you think they should be loved, or how you would want to be loved. And I'm sure that many uh, in this religious establishment would have certainly claimed to love others. But beloved, if they loved every, if they, if they loved others so much then why were they using the word of God to oppress them? They were literally using the law to oppress people to make themselves more than what they was in order just to look better than everybody else. Beloved, whenever you, we are in a situation where we begin to look down our nose at anyone else for any reason, that's not love. Just because you got it figured out don't mean they got it figured out yet. As a matter of fact, you just got it figured out after about 46 years, and you want them to get it figured out in two days. Love your neighbor as yourself, and then Jesus says, on these two commandments depends all the law and the prophets. What Jesus is talking about is all of the Old Testament instruction. We can can go to the Ten Commandments because the first four is how you direct love towards God, and the last six is how you love one another. You should have no other gods, no carved image, don't use the Lord's name in vain, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. All those are pointing towards God, making him first in your life. Don't have any other, right? It says, children, honor your mother and father, for this is right in the Lord, and your days will be many, right? That's a a relational love. You shall not murder. If I I kill you, can I really love you? Sometimes my wife says, no, I just play. I was about to put words in her mouth. (laughs) I'm going to kill you because I love you. Nah. Thou shall not commit adultery. Thou shall not steal covet and lie all of those all of those commandments are are about relational love because of the character of who God is we need to relate with one another in a way that is loving so i'm not going to kill steal lie or cheat on you because i love you and what jesus is saying is every commandment in the scripture is based upon Love for God or love for one another? The reason why he gives the Mosaic law and all of these uh, nuances is so folks will know how to love one another right and live with one another. But what he's saying is you wouldn't even need the jot and tittles if you just really love God and love one another. If that was the overarching principle, then you wouldn't have to worry about the details. Well, do I love them? If they did well, well, what about you? No, love one another, and in, in doing this, Jesus. I love. I love what one comment, commentator says. Love thus becomes the primary hermeneutical principle for interpreting and applying the law. What did he just say? Love becomes the lens through which you see all of the scriptures now. So now, if I have a conversation with you about some particular sinful behavior, I'm not coming at you because I'm mad at you, I'm coming to you because I love you and want your best. So now, when I, when I think about what I will do or won't do as a matter of conscience, I'm not just thinking about what I want, but I'm thinking about how can I serve others in what I do? When you, when you love others, your motivations will always be for their good. This is what we're missing in the world. A life that is genuinely looking to serve others. In this cultural moment, it is so obvious, it's like we don't want to even talk about it. So humor me for a moment. So if we have learned anything about this particular virus, COVID-19, coronavirus, if we've learned anything, it, it seems to be a uh, airborne, infection, airborne disease, right? So if it's an airborne disease, there were some really smart people that got together and said, well, since it's airborne, maybe we should protect our nose and our mouth so it doesn't get inside. So maybe people should wear masks. So they encouraged people to wear masks, and then, there, then there's people saying, why well, well, I'm just not going to wear a mask. And, well, why? Because I don't want to. Okay. Or masks don't work. Oh, oh, masks don't work. Okay. So next time you have a surgery, tell your surgeon they don't need to wear a mask before they operate on you. Okay. So, but, but, but here's the thing. If we know it is airborne and we know by protecting my mouth, Is not so much to protect me, but it's more so to protect you. Why do I have such a problem with wearing a mask? See, this is where the rubber meets the road, saints, and, and Christians have been having a real hard time at this. If you can't wear a mask for someone else, then what good is your religion? Because it's not about you. It's about somebody else. And the Christian posture should always be love God and love neighbor. But when but when I love myself more, then I don't want to be inconvenienced for you, and I'm going to do whatever I want to do. See, and folks don't want to wait. This everything that's going on is always theological is what you believe about God and how and, and how he wants you to interact with one another. This is why this passage is so important because it affects every aspect of your life. If you beef in with your husband and wife in that moment, who are you really loving? Are you loving God? Are you loving them? Or are you loving yourself? When it comes to your boss not giving you what you want so you just ain't gonna work, who are you loving in that moment? Are you loving God, are you loving others, or are you loving yourself? When it comes to driving down the freeway and everybody in your way, so you're up on their tail with your lights flashing, honking your horn, in that moment, is it about loving God, loving others, or loving yourself? I Don't they know I got somewhere to go? I got somewhere to be. They need to get the out of my way. What you say to people. What you just said. Would that communicate love for God? Love for them? Or love for yourself? I just had to get that off my chest. You know. I'm going to tell the truth. Don't nobody else want to say it. I'm going to say it. Love for God? Love for others? Or love for yourself? Everything. This is. This is, this is everything. Everything. Why are you not, as a Christian, why are we not to have sex outside of the covenant of marriage? Because in that moment, who are you really thinking about? Are you loving God? Are you really loving them? No, you ain't really loving them because if you really loved them, you would have encouraged them to purity and to keep themselves for their husband or for their wife that's coming down the road. But you want to stain that, or are you loving yourself? Beloved, this is why I came to this passage with fear and trembling because it's applicable to everything in life, and we got to get it right. But we're so selfish because we're stuck on loving ourselves. Why do you get so offended when they, when they tell you something's wrong? Are you loving God? Are you loving others? Or at that moment, are you loving yourself? Why are you yelling at your kids like you crazy? Stop yelling at them kids. Like, stop cussing at your kids like you crazy. In that moment, who are you loving? Are you loving God? Are you loving them? Or are you loving yourself? They ain't doing what I said to do. Everything. This is why Jesus says, on these two commandments stand the entire law and prophets. By centering his actions around love, Jesus exposes the motivating factor for all of our actions. And, beloved, please, Christianity is not a faith that allows you just to go through the motions. You're either going to be saved or not. Though I've been married 17 years, I can't just go through the motions. I have to be intentional and active in my love for my wife. Another scholar says these are the greatest commandments because they go to the essence of the way God has created humans to live. Giving oneself to God and to others to fulfill his purposes for us as the crown of his creation is displaying in our lives the glory of God's kingdom on earth. When we love God and love others, the glory of Jesus Christ shines forth. Because this is the heart posture of Jesus. Though he was equal with God, he didn't count equality something to be grasped. But he humbled himself by taking the form of a servant and came. Jesus got down and humbled himself in order that we could be saved. When we love God and love others, the glory of God, the kingdom of heaven is made manifest on earth. So beloved, as we are even consider loving God and loving others, how well are you reflecting God's love towards him and to others? I love God. Okay? Well, how often do you lay your life down for God? How often are you willing to surrender what you want for what God wants? I love others. How often do you lay your life down for others? Beloved, like I said, this world has lost its way because it doesn't have a north star. And Jesus gives us our north star in these two commandments, to love God and to love others. If that was the central guiding principle of your entire life what would your life really look like and unfortunately beloved some of you here today are lost you have no north star that you're following you're just kind of trying to figure out this this life yourself in and you you just kind of going with the whims of what the world may say but jesus is saying stop going with everyone else and start focusing on me Could it be the reason why you're lost and the reason why you're struggling so much and the reason why you seem to always get it wrong is because you are loving yourself more than you are loving God? But I'm so glad Jesus says, I got you. In John, the 15th chapter, Jesus says these precious, precious words. In verse nine, he says, as the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Are you filled with joy today? This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Greater love has no one than this, that someone will lay down his life for his friends. Beloved, I'm so glad that Jesus has called some of us his friends, because he laid down his life. Jesus, he lived a life that we could not live, and he died the death that we deserve. And in laying down his life, he has secured a friendship for all eternity for those who would repent and trust in him alone. I'm so glad that in a world where there is no North Star, Jesus not only tells us the North Star, he says, I am the North Star. Because I lay down my life, and when you are willing to lay down your life for God and for others, you will never be lost again. In order to find your way and be cleansed of our sins and accepted by God, you must look to Jesus as your North Star just as they did in the Old Testament when Moses had the serpent up on the pole and God told Moses to let them know, just look and live. Jesus is saying today, look to him and you will live. Look to him through repentance and faith. Lord, I am sorry for living for myself and loving myself more than I have loved you. Would you please forgive me of my sins? Would you please come into my life and save me? And cleanse me from all unrighteousness and help me to live this out every day. Because, beloved, it is only when we get our vertical love right can we ever get our horizontal love right. When you love God and love others, you will never, ever be lost in life again. Let us pray. Father, thank you for being so faithful you're so faithful so so faithful Lord we we don't even we can't even comprehend how good you are and thank you for this moment where you have spoken to us through your word father please help us to not rely upon our own abilities to to carry out your word but help us to rely upon your amazing grace father fill us with your holy spirit and give us the hearts that we need to genuinely love you, to genuinely love others, and fulfill the entire law and the prophets. Father, help us to be uh, those beacons of light in a lost, dark, and dying world to help people find their way. Father, please, Help us to genuinely love you and to love one another. This I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 <clears throat> Beloved, how will you respond to Jesus' words today?